0: Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. If you're new to the church, I want to welcome you. Also glad that you are here. Um, thank you to the worship team for amazing worship. Um, for for. Helping us to forget about what's going on around us and just focus on God. Um, for me personally, I do want to say I do sense just um, man, there's like a, a very I want to say a very special presence in here today. It feels like like it's it's a it's a special morning, um, and I'm thankful that uh, that we can be um, in a church service where where God's welcome and it's not just. Routines of what we're going through, but God's welcome to move in our lives. I've always loved the story um, of a kindergarten teacher who gave an assignment to a class, and she said to the class, I want you to draw a picture of something that you love, something that is important to you, something that you value. I want you to draw a picture of that. So each of the students started drawing, and uh, little Johnny. Of course, his name is Johnny. Uh, little Johnny. Johnny, how did it feel to be the, like the guy that the where's John, our bass player now? Because he's little Johnny also. Like, like not little Sam, little Johnny always. Sitting in the back of the classroom, head down, and Johnny's drawing vigorously. Like he's Johnny's drawing and swapping markers and very diligent on his picture. And everybody turned in their pictures. And little Johnny was still working very vigorously on his picture, drawing away. Which caused the teacher to be a bit curious. She said out loud in the class, having everybody else's assignments, Johnny, what are you drawing? And without even looking up, Johnny said, I'm drawing God. And she said, well, Johnny, nobody knows what God looks like. And Johnny, without looking up again, said, well, I'm not done yet. (laughs) Now, I think we can laugh at a little, you know, story like that, because um, the confidence that a little kid would have in explaining to you who God is, sometimes Lene would come home from, from, from church, and she'll start explaining to me stuff that she learned And the confidence that she she has about who God is, it it amazes me because she's heard it and she she believes it. Unfortunately, in the world that we live in today, that if we as adults go out on platforms wherever we are and we give confident statements about who God is, unfortunately, many times with that comes a lot of criticism and and you get uh, seen as being somebody who's arrogant, thinking he's the only one who knows. But here is the reality. God is revealing himself to us. He is. He reveals himself to us through his word. He reveals himself to us um, through personal relationship in prayer, through events, through experiences. And we've seen God in our studies. We've seen God in our worship. And, and I don't think we can necessarily draw a picture of him but I know that we can verbally explain to somebody who Father God is. I can explain to you about His love and His power and His care and His compassion and His passion for the world. I can, I can give you a, a verbal definition of, of, and it will help you to form a picture of who He is. And I can give you a definition of who Jesus is. I, I, can, give, I can create a picture of a Savior. If I say Jesus on the cross, all of us have a picture that we can refer to of an innocent man hanging on a cross with his arms stretched out, with a crown of thorns on his head. And I can give you a picture of the Savior. I can give you a picture of the resurrected Christ as he goes up in a cloud of witnesses. I can give you a picture of all of that. And for us, we can start formulating kind of this picture of who God is. And it's important to do that because we must be able to recognize Him in our lives also. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, for most of us, we would struggle to give a definition or even paint a picture of who He is and what He's supposed to do in our lives. And and part of it is because um, some churches don't speak about Him at all. Some churches, um, you might have experienced it. Your experience was so crazy that you don't want to go back there again. But I do hope that by the end of this series and, and this, these nine weeks that, that we're journeying on in regards to the Holy Spirit, I hope by the end of it that you will be able to explain to people who the Holy Spirit is and why they need Him why you need Him, why you can't exclude Him. So just a quick reminder from last week, last week's message. The first thing that we looked at is the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a cosmic force, some kind of fireball or tunnel. He's not laughing gas that makes people roll around on the floor. That's not who He is. You can't have a relationship with that. You cannot have a relationship with energy. You cannot have a relationship with, um, I want to say again, a cosmic force or a thing. You cannot have relationship because if that is your thing, uh, I spoke to, to somebody earlier. You know, they've had an experience with the Holy Spirit. And what happens is many people, because they don't know the person, they start chasing the experience. They start going just for their experience. And what, they, they, what we should realize is, it is the person who you should know. So you can't have a relationship with an energy or with the universe, but you can and you should have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He should be part of every single day of your life. His purpose for being here is relationships. So the Holy Spirit is a person. That's the first statement in the sentence that we spoke about. The second statement is that the Holy Spirit is a person, but He's not just a person. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. And I want to show you why this is important, that we see the Holy Spirit as a divine person. He's not like a lesser being in the Trinity, like an angel or angels that appeared in the Old Testament, a group of angels. He is a divine person. And we have to get that. You have to honor him the same way. Uh, While we were worshiping, very briefly, and I I had this this image, I almost saw these three, I don't know if you can see them from there, but there are three spotlights here on stage. There's like a light that's over here, you can see my legs are in it, and there's one over here, and then there's one over there. And and I was thinking to myself, you know, can you imagine if if this is Jesus, right, standing over here, and all of you see Him, and, and Father God is over here, and Holy Spirit's over here, and we have to give account to every single one of them. And, and stand in front of Jesus and go, Jesus, I know you. I know what you've done for me. I know who you are. Father God, I know you. Mighty, powerful, awesome, amazing Father, loving, ruler, Jesus, King of kings, Holy Spirit. Man, I just can't put my finger on it right now. But you... Um, I think you're the guy that seals me for my salvation. I think the majority of us, if we had to stand in front of him, he's on the same level. Nothing lesser. Stand in front of him and give account for how we worship him. I think we will all fall short. He is a divine divine person. Nothing will heighten our respect or enlarge our regard for the Holy Spirit more than understanding that He is divine. He's not a substitute name for God. It's not like, oh, we could say God, Lord, Holy Spirit, you know, because they're kind of all the same thing. They are not. He is a divine person. So let's go back to Scripture, and we're going to start... In chapter 14 again, where Jesus is speaking. And the reason I spoke, uh, decided to speak or look specifically at these scriptures is because this is the word from, from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Words from Him, directly. Chapter 14 of John. He says, The Holy Spirit is said to be eternal, having the ability to dwell with human beings eternally. So, so let's read that, verse 16. He says, I will pray the Father, and He will send and give you another Helper. That he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because they, it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Also, in the same section that we just read, the Holy Spirit is sent forth from the Father, he comes from the Father and sent by Jesus. Chapter 15, verse 26, when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Jesus speaking. And this same Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, is active in the world. He's active in the world today. He's there for us today. Chapter 16, verse 8, and when He has come, He will convict. So He's going to to be active. He's going to do something. He will convict, another word used there, convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. This is why when we baptize, I don't baptize in the name of the Father and the Son, I baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is divine. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is divine. He's part of the Trinity, the triune God. In the book of Acts, it says, um, Ananias, and we're going to talk about this uh, in a few weeks' time from now, sold property, came, and he lied to the apostles, said, this is everything that I got. And he said, you lied to the Holy Spirit. And then a few sentences later, you lied to God. So he's referring to the Holy Spirit not just as a separate person that is lower. He said, he is God. You lied to him. So we know that that you can... You can't lie to a cosmic force. You can't lie to something, to wind or energy. But you can lie to a person. And not just that. He said you are lying to God. So you are lying to a divine person. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is also seen as omnipresent. Omnipresent means what? He's everywhere. He's in Nova Scotia, Alaska, Texas, Ladner, South Africa, He's everywhere at the same time. Psalm 139 David says where can I go from your spirit where can I flee from your presence that's a rhetorical question the answer is nowhere you can't flee from him he's everywhere The Holy Spirit is also seen as omnipotent omnipotent he is powerful He was there in creation right in the beginning. It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the deep of the earth, over the things that have not been created yet. The Spirit of God was there. He is the power behind creation. And God spoke the word, which is Jesus. And the power fulfilled the word that was spoken, the Holy Spirit, in creation. Job says in Job 33, the Spirit of God has made me. He's powerful. He made you. He attributes His being, His creation as a human being to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God made me. Now question, and I I think this might be what some of you might be thinking. Does this really matter? Does it really matter that I see the Holy Spirit as a person and as God? I mean, Andreas, I've been going without it. And I've been doing pretty good. You know, I've never seen Him as, as someone I have a personal relationship with on a daily basis, who I'm, who I'm communicating with, who I'm checking my decisions with, when I'm alone, who I speak to, when, when I've run out of prayers to pray and I don't know how to pray, that I ask if He will pray on my behalf. I've never done all of that. Why would I need that? Well, What's the purpose of it? I believe you don't understand how vital this is. Because if you don't understand who He is, You won't know what He's going to do for you. You won't know what He does. You won't appreciate. You need to understand who He is so that you can appreciate what He does. Because if you're not aware that this divine being, this personality is dwelling in you, it will show. It will be seen. You'll be like those people that Paul spoke about in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He referred to them having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. What does that mean? It's like they've got a form of godliness. that's, That's just a religious person who goes through all the motions. They attend church. They sing songs. They play in worship teams. They serve coffee. Uh, You know, they help pack chairs, stack chairs. They go on mission trips. They do all the stuff. But they deny the power of the one that's supposed to supply it to them. And what will happen is, and I've seen this, and you've seen this, and you might be even experiencing it right now. What happens is, you start losing interest. In spiritual things, you start losing interest in prayer. You just stop praying. You start losing interest in worship. Why do I have, Why do we have to go at ten to worship together? We can just go for the word at ten thirty. You start losing interest in churches that that teach God-centered preaching. And you'll only want the entertainment. Your your determination for Sunday, if it was a good service or not, will be based on how entertaining it was. That was a really good service. They sang so well. That was a good Sunday. Pastor told great jokes. Speaking in faith. (laughs) And then the long end of that, what happens eventually is, is that you end up being part of a group of people who just deny the Holy Spirit. You don't want to talk about Him. You don't want to be in meetings where somebody mentions Him. You don't want to be part of of acknowledging that the Holy Spirit is active and alive. And if you do that, you become part of, of, of a bigger group. Because there's a whole bunch of other people who believe that also. Do you know who they are? Unitarianisms believe the Holy Spirit's not a person. If you are a Unitarianist, you believe the Holy Spirit's not God. You can be part of them. You can also be part of Christian science because they hold the same view. You can be somebody who's Christian science. right? You can be somebody who says, yeah, the Holy Spirit's not God and He's not a person. You can be part of uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses. Because they believe the same. You can be part of the Mormons. They believe the same. They believe that they can also baptize people into salvation after they are dead. But hey, right? at least you believe the same regarding the Holy Spirit. And you know where else you can also join? What other church you can go join? Uh, you can go join um, the Muslims. Because they believe the same. That's the company you keep when you deny the presence of the Holy Spirit in believers' lives. That's who you're going to acquaint yourself with. That's my people. But the Bible says, and we believe the Holy Spirit is a divine person part of the Trinity. So number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. Second thing, the Holy Spirit is a divine person. Third statement that ties the sentence together is the Holy Spirit is a divine person who helps us. Now, we've read this Several, in several verses in these chapters. Um, and we're going to read it again. But as I said earlier, as believers, I don't know about you, but I need all the help I can get in my life. I remember when I was just like a, a young Christian. Um, so grew up Christian. Like, like many people in South Africa, Everybody grows; up, we grow up in Christian homes. 86% of the population is Christian. Right, 86%, that's a lot. 72% of them attend church. That's a lot. You know, population of now, what, 52 million people? You know, 70% of that attend. In Canada, we've got 37.5 million people. 72% of Canadians would say if they have to choose a religion, they would choose Christianity. Out of that, 72%, 4% attend church. Okay, so so maybe you were one of those that grew up also in church. Right? So one of the two million in Canada. I grew up in church, knew the Bible really well, went every Sunday, Sunday school, church, home, big lunch, sleep, not allowed to do anything, not allowed to watch TV, shops, nothing were open, there were no sports on Sundays, um, then church again, back home, get ready for school, that was, that was for, as long as I grew up, that was every Sunday. You don't miss a Sunday. So I knew the Bible really well. Never met God. Never. 19 years old, go to church because there was a girl. That was interesting. Um. And the only time I could see her was in church because she gave a year of her life to God and standing next to her, and this guy starts preaching, and this church is different. Now, in South Africa, the Baptist church um, is the charismatic church. The Baptist church is, we call them the happy clappies. <laughs> because they were the only ones that clapped their hands in church. In our churches, there was we had signs outside our buildings, quiet church for people who were driving right because you can't make noise surrounding churches you've got to be quiet it's church so i went to this happy clappy church for the first time uh, and just so you know when i moved to canada the first church i preached in or first church i led worship in was a baptist church little did i know that baptist churches around the world are not the same Not at all. So I was very encouraging during the service and afterwards people looked at me very strange. Um, Different point. So I'm I'm in this service and this guy starts talking about God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. It wasn't just about scripture about, you know, I look up at the mountains. How wonderful. No, it's like God looks at you. He wants a relationship with you. He knows your name. He's after your life. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Not just a general word. But He's got a word for you. He loves you. He wants to know you more. Yes, and for the first time, I have this message that's, that's directly, it's like directing towards me. And in that moment, and we're going to talk about this in a few weeks, uh, next week, we're going to start with that. Erma is going to preach on the Holy Spirit with us. There's three different things that we find regarding the Holy Spirit. We read that the Holy Spirit is with us. We read that the Holy Spirit is in us, and we read that the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And we have to understand what those three things mean in order for us to be equipped to live as believers, right? So we're going to look at that. So I remember the Holy Spirit was with me there because I was listening to this guy speaking, and in my heart I felt, I knew somebody is busy inside of me. And this is not religion, and this is not just a religious experience this is real. And he didn't make an altar call. The simple thing he did was he said, stand up and we can give everybody just an opportunity. You can express your desire for God where you are. And the word says that, that we being good fathers, or we being evil, knowing how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more will Father in heaven not give good gifts to those who Right, ask for it. So, so, so now I'm standing in front of God. I'm saying, God, I want everything that you have for me because right now I don't think I've got anything besides puffed up knowledge. I want everything you have for me. And I stood there for two hours, didn't move. I just, well, stood. I, I got down because I got tired, but I was there for two hours and and in, in in that my life changed completely i would not be here today if it wasn't for for that real relationship holy spirit moment so so then i started working in church next week i'm one of those people that if if it happens i go so started uh, was still busy w- with the teaching degree uh, finished the course but reading the Bible in class, the, uh, just reading the Bible, I don't want to hear what they've got to say in front. I want to know what the Bible's got. Because for the first time now when I read it, it's not just scriptures in general. It's God speaking to me. Without the Holy Spirit, it's scriptures in general. So then started working in church, and I was about three years into working in church, and and people started looking at me as if, man, you're a mature believer. I cannot be a mature believer in simply having a three-year relationship with God. It takes time. Now, I want to say even more. I'm spending more of my thoughts And my prayers and my concerns, I'm spending more time with the Holy Spirit in those moments than I've ever done before. I I haven't come to a place where I can go, well, I can go without Him now. I'm good. I know a lot. More and more every day. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants us, where He wants you to be. So, the Holy Spirit is a helper. Jesus says, where He began in verse 16 of chapter 14, I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever. Now, the word helper, some of you know the word. What's the word in Greek? Parakletos. Okay, so that was really good. I'm so glad that uh, um, I've spent... No, you know what? just shows you, we don't know. The Greek word, parakletos. Parakletos. Paraclete is what many of us might recognize. It's translated as comforter, helper. But it literally means one is called, one who is called alongside to help you. Wow. How can you reject that? One who is called alongside to help you—that's the Paracletus. Now, now look at it this way: the Holy Spirit is the one who puts the fuel in your spiritual tank. Tim Downs wrote this. He said, "Watches, cars, and Christians can all look like chromed can all look chromed and shiny, but watches don't tick, and cars don't go, and Christians don't make a difference without their insides." And for us as Christians, the inside is the Holy Spirit, the helper. You have a helper. Don't reject him. Welcome him. Wake up tomorrow morning or now. For those of you that's dozed off, And say, I have a helper. I'm not alone. I can do this. I'm not on my own in the decisions that I'm making in the choices that I make. I'm not alone in this. So there's something else about the Holy Spirit, which is very interesting in, in that one verse. He said, he's going to give you another helper. You mean there's more? Well, let's just look at the verse again. It says, I will pray the Father, verse 16, and he will give you another helper. I don't know if you have that there, Macy. And He will give you another helper. Now, the Greek language, the word another, has two possibilities. Our English language is very limited in its um, ability to translate directly concepts from the original language. So in Greek, when I say another, I could use one or two terms, one or two words. Heteros or alos. Heteros or alos. They both mean another. But they are slightly different in their variation. The word heteros means another of a completely different kind. The word alos means another of the same kind. So, this is how I would like to explain it to you. If I buy a salad, that's like, I'm just thinking, here's a bad example. Yeah, if I buy a salad and I eat it and I go, man, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. And I say, I want to buy another. I'm going to buy another salad, not exactly as the one that I just bought. No, not only am I not going to buy a salad, a noodle salad, I will not buy another one that has any noodles or anything that resembles it as an ingredient. I want another of a different kind. So that is heteros. I want a salad that is different than the one I just had. Now, Alos, let's say I buy a salad and I really like the salad. Caesar salad, bacon bits. Balsamic vinegar, parmesan cheese, croutons, beautiful. Like Carla makes it, a little bit of lemon juice on it, right? Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I let some of you have some of my salad. And you go, man, I really like this salad. And I say, hey, you can have mine. I will get another. That another there is the word alos. It means what I just gave you, I'm going to get exactly the same one for me. I'm going to get another one of that. So when Jesus says to us, I will pray the Father, and He is going to give you another, He's using alos, not heteros. Another of the same kind as I am. I'm with you right now. I'm here right now. And I'm praying that He's going to give you one that is the same as the one that is with you right now. So when you reject the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in effect... You are rejecting Christ in your presence. The Holy Spirit then is is good for us. He's a helper. The apostles needed him. We need him. How's that for having a helper? It's not just a... It's not just a random, different. It's like Jesus himself with you every day with his wisdom, with his insight, with his miraculous power, with his love, with his kindness, with his gentleness, with his his knowing plans and purposes, with the ability to, to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to bring words of wisdom and knowledge and insight. Because that's everything that Jesus did in his ministry. That same spirit that did that, that's the other one that you have with you right now. So He's everywhere. We spoke about that. I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper. Not just that. um, He's with you forever. That's a long time. He says, I will pray uh, the Father and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you for 10 years or two decades or until you really get crusty and wrinkly. No, (laughs) sorry, Dave. Forever. (laughs) He'll abide with you forever. He is a permanent helper. Permanent. He's not going to be, be with you for like three and a half years. Jesus' ministry was three and a half years. He's going to be with you forever. In chapter 14, verse 17, the Holy Spirit um, of truth, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Notice this because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So he dwells with you, he's going to come in you, and we're going to talk about that next week. He's going to be with you. That's the first, first stage, Holy Spirit, with us. So make sure that you are here. Something else, he's a reliable helper, verse 17. He is called the spirit of truth. He cannot lie. He never leads you to lie. So there's something. Have you ever thought of it this way? Well, how can we tell if a person is filled with the Holy Spirit? How can we tell? Here's a couple of clues. They tell the truth, they are convicted when they don't, not condemned. How do you know if you are filled with the Holy Spirit? You tell the truth. And when you don't, you feel it. You feel it on the inside. And not just that. His primary attribute, he's called the Holy Spirit. Your life will become holy. Now, holy doesn't mean prune, dried up, sucked terrible religious person that nobody wants to be around holy means set apart for the things of God man set apart for the things of God I want to be set apart you will become set apart you're going to do things differently you're going to talk and not I want to say again you're not going to be boring you're not going to be someone who has no fun in his you're going to live the most exciting life you could ever live you're going to have results that other people will never experience your life will look different than the world's holy set apart he's not called the loving spirit even though he is loving He's not called the peaceful spirit, even though there is peace in him. He's called the Holy Spirit. So for us as believers, if you want to identify if the Holy Spirit's in your life or not, when you get confronted with choices, most of us will have this prompting inside of us which comes from the Holy Spirit that will advise you, are you following the world's way or is this God's way? And you make decisions based on that. The helper is there to help you. That's his purpose. Worship team, you can come up again, please. And then finally, he's an exclusive helper. The world, they don't have him. That's what makes us attractive to the world. Because our lives are different. The results of your life is different. Your children are different. Your finances look different. The way you treat people, it's different. You apologize when you've been wrong. You humble yourself when you did things in pride. You acknowledge that God is above you and your opinions are simply yours. See that exclusivity is not something that is visible in the world, but it should be visible in the church. So that's our introduction. Um, and the hope is that that last week and this week simply gets you to a place where you understand. The Holy Spirit is a person, personal. It's not a thing that you have to, oh, I'm scared of that thing. Forget about that. I I wish I can wipe all memory of of people thinking it's an experience. It is a person. With that person, you're going to start walking a life that is different and holy. And in that walk, you're going to have experiences with Him that is divine. Without a doubt, you're not going to wonder. It's going to become part of your testimony. It's going to become welcoming. You're going to want it. That's who the Holy Spirit is, and that, and and you know, how do you get Him? We're going to talk about that, that also. But I, I, just want to give you the opportunity now. How do you, how do you get the Holy Spirit? First of all, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, just the Holy Spirit indwells us. Right, but we, like in baptism, we don't simply just want the indwelling of Him. He's now in me. I want to be flowing Him out also. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit means. I am immersed in him. I'm completely surrounded by him. What does that look like? It looks as simple as this Holy Spirit, I want all of my life to be surrounded by you. Every word I speak, when I'm with people, the way I treat my wife, the way I parent my children, are surrounded. Surround all of it with your presence. Every bit of it. All of it. It's you lying tonight in your bed and going, I'm going to go to work tomorrow, Holy Spirit. Oh Immerse me in you. When I walk, when I speak to people, man, I want you to overflow. I want you to come out of me. There's nothing scary about that. Let's worship together thank you so much for joining us on the life church audio podcast if this message spoke to you go ahead and share it with your friends and family and let's get the word of god into the lives of more people out there for more information about us go to thisislifechurch.com and remember that we can make a difference by loving people